of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989. We had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations, my fellow Skywatchers from all corners of the globe. Welcome once again to Skywatchers Radio on this lovely December 17th or the 18th, depending on where you might be tonight, this morning, whatever. Welcome to the Dark Matter Radio Network and, of course, PSN Radio. As always, I am only but one part of the hosting crew here on this illustrious show. With me, as always, is my co-host, Alan. Say hello to the crowd, Alan. Hello, crowd. You sound very animated tonight, Alan. Yes, I've, ha- I've had some sugar. I've had some caffeine. I'm feeling wide, blankety-blank awake dealing with you tonight. And you've had a run-in with shadowy figures that did some dastardly deeds to you. We're going to get to that in a minute. Okay. But also, I wanted to welcome to the show our guest co-host for the evening, the one, the only... The man who hangs out on the outer edge, William Michael Mott. Welcome, William Michael Mott, to Skywatchers Radio. How you doing, buddy? Hey, man, good. I'm glad to be back and hanging out with you guys. Uh, um, a late Tuesday evening here where I am. Uh, actually, it's still the 17th here. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's good to uh, to break it up a little bit and jump on here with you guys every once in a while. So, Well, we like your company every once in a while, but not all. There you time. go. That's right. Once in a while, exactly. yeah. With... We, we, we like our Michael Mott in small dosages. That's right. <laughs> you have to take it that way. Yes. Of course, I am Angel Espino, and we are broadcasting live, like I said, on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Big shout-outs to our boss, Keith Rowland, who uh, puts up with us every single week and lets us broadcast. Every week. And we appreciate him tolerating us. So it's much a so. Thing. Now, we got into a little bit of trouble uh, with... Uh, with Keith and with Art, I mean, I don't, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? The uh, the wormhole. Uh, no, I actually don't know what you're talking about. Alan, you know what I'm talking about. I'll the let whole... you go. I- I'll let you talk about it. I'll, okay. I'll let you start off on it. Okay. Well, we have to bring this up because this is uh, this is just wrong, and uh, you know, we got in trouble because we were using Art's uh, little you know wormhole a few weeks ago, and <laughs> I, I think we might have mentioned this once before, and apparently uh, now they're gonna. Uh, ban us from using the wormhole. So if anybody wants to, you know, communicate with us, we can't use the wormhole that we were using before. It's no longer available to us on Skywatchers Radio because we used it without permission. We're, we're the bad boys of the Dark Matter Radio Network. Well, you didn't really mention that to me just till now. Well, I, I did actually. You just don't remember. I talked two weeks ago about it. But remember, remember, we weren't on last week. We were supposed to be on live. And right. Yes, I do remember that part. I we couldn't make it. I, I think you just forgot. It, it, you're well, right, you, I might be having amnesian deja vu at the same time. So well, you, you need to do an animated version and just do a, a different kind of hole. Well, here's the thing. 
And this was brought to my attention. Uh, there is a discussion going on, and Keith uh, said that he might give all the hosts their own wormhole type of thing, but the the name wormhole is you know just for art. Oh, okay. Oh. We can't we can't use that. So uh, the, the way they're going to designate these things, uh, from what I heard, was they're going to designate it by the name of the host, the, like the initials of the host is going to be like the name of you know their wormhole. So basically, you and I, Alan, would be the double a holes. <laughs> why don't we I don't, just? I don't know how I feel about that. Hold on. Why don't we just call it the potholes? Now, Jimmy Church, shout outs to him, will be the J hole. Okay, you're just gonna avoid me. Avoid that. Yeah, part? I noticed that. No, no, yeah. I'm, I'm saying pothole because we like to drive so much, and you know, you're in the car industry, and I like collectible cars in the real world. And every time you hit a bump. Yeah, I, was, issues, I thought you were going. Pot. I thought you were going somewhere else with the whole pot. Yeah, that, 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 no, that's, you, a, that's a really elaborate explanation. It really yeah. is. It's yeah, and that's exactly where I was going with it, right? I guess. Don't you think that's a good one? You know, people that are listening, why don't you guys comment in our uh, blog uh, or comment in the open window if you're listening and you're looking at the nice little text window and instant messaging window. Why don't you guys comment if you like that as uh, instead of the double A holes, we get to be the potholes. I don't know. I'm kind of like warming up to this whole double A holes uh, thing. I mean, hey, you want to contact us? You know how to reach us through the A hole. There you go. <laughs> I, w- I was going to say the oscillating sphincter, but that's just me. That's just you. By the way, speaking of sphincter, we have a lot of stuff to talk about and uh, a lot of methane on Mars. Dun, dun, dun. And speaking of sphincters, that's right. <laughs> yeah, newly detected organics could suggest life on Mars. This is a new in sphincter vision. In sphincter vision, and this is actually cool because we're gonna we're gonna cover a couple of stories here, uh, guys. There's a, a couple of stuff uh, that really we should go over, but we are gonna have a great guest tonight. Paul Dale Roberts is gonna be with us uh, in about uh, ten to fifteen minutes around there. We're gonna have him on for the rest of the hour. We have a lot of stuff to cover with him, and in the second hour. We have the return of Mr. Robert Morningstar. There you go. One of our favorites. That's a great, he's a great guest. Amazing guest. I always love having Robert on, and uh, he always brings really, really, really good conversation to the show. So uh, I I am dying to see what he has to uh, bring us this week. He's kind of been doing the rounds on Dark Matter the last couple weeks. Really? uh, Yeah, he's been on a few other shows on here and uh, enjoying the network, and and the network enjoys him because he's such a great guest. He really is. So. He is. He's a wide-ranging guest. Diversified. Very yes. diversified, yes. So he's going to be with us on the second hour, but uh, this uh, story from Mars, man, newly detected organic could suggest life on Mars. Now, right. I, I do have an audio uh, to accompany this story, but I'm going to go ahead and, and just briefly go over what this uh, entails because, well, you know, I've been saying for a long time that I'm pretty sure that we're going to find life on Mars or some kind of organic life within the next five years, uh, and that's how disclosure is going to start. You know, little organic stuff. Little organics. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah well, that's... there's other stuff on Mars, and you heard me talking about that pre-show, so I have my views on that one. And we'll get to that in a second here, but check this out. NASA's Curiosity rover made a surprising discovery that could suggest that something is alive on Mars on Tuesday, December 16, which uh, was just yesterday, no, actually today, whatever. Uh, NASA announced that Curiosity detected a sharp spike in methane levels, and that drilled uh, rock samples revealed that the first definitive detective of organics in the surface materials of Mars. 
Dun, dun, dun. Very interesting. The first detected organic material. Well, potentially or, uh, organic. You know, I mean, methane can't exist without an organic source, but that's a good sure. clue. I mean, if you've got liquid water, which does exist on Mars, it... Um, well, yeah, they, they do have ice caps, and I'm sure at yep, some point so. coming down towards the equator, it melts. Yeah, well, not just that, but it's locked in the sort of permafrost. So, you know, if you've got this uh, methane there, I think that's a good indicator that there's something going on, even if it's um, microscopic, because even here on Earth, it, you know, under the surface, there's a great amount of methane which is produced and by micro microorganisms. So it's it's a good sign that there's something going on there. Well, it's not just microorganisms, you know. There's well, all bovine bovine yeah. flatulences, definitely. Well, hu humans yes. too, but <laughs> but my point is that even the smallest of microorganisms do do uh, produce methane. So. Do do that too. Yes, that's yeah. pretty much what's going on here. Do do now. Scientists discovered methane in the planet's atmosphere back in 2003. Did you guys hear about that? No. <laughs> I had no idea. but uh, So researchers weren't too surprised when Curiosity discovered methane on the Martian surface on 2012, but the level uh, the level uh, detected by the Curiosity was completely unexpected. After the initial detection on the surface, Chris McKay, uh, space scientist and Mars specialist at NASA Ames Research Center, explained that if the methane levels remain constant, this uh, then this can be uh, reconciled with normal processes and and major uh, uh, normal processes and the sources of organics. Uh, but if it's highly variable, then it's all bets are off. In other words, if it continues to grow in the levels they're finding, all bets are off. Uh, it could be some kind of a living thing down there producing this thing. Uh, researchers have used a Curiosity onboard sample analysis on uh, Mars instrument to search for methane in the uh, Martian atmosphere, according to NASA's recent uh, press release. After measuring levels spanning 20 months, a uh, 20-month period, Curiosity has measured a tenfold spike in methane. That's a lot of, that's a lot of methane. Yeah. It is. That is a lot of methane. Researchers are particularly interested in finding methane on alien worlds because living organisms produce an overwhelming amount of gas on Earth. You know, like pooping. Yeah, that's right. We call it bovine flatulence. Yes. While finding a significant amount of methane on Mars isn't the uh, surefire sign of past or present life geology, is it? Well, it kind of is, I think. Isn't well, I, th I just think that someone's septic tank in on Mars sort of backed up, and that's why you have that issue right now. Yeah, hmm. yeah that, yeah, it's a good enough answer for me. I mean, it's a good enough explanation. Uh, now, there's a clip, like I said, uh, that I have on this story, and I want to play it real quick. Uh, so, guys, get ready for this. Uh, it's, I mean, this is very interesting stuff. This is what Skywatcher's radio is all about, right? No? Yes, yeah, there you go. Oh, Let's yeah. go. Right. So, there's uh, showing possible sources and sinks of methane. I'm just going to focus on three most likely scenarios to explain the methane that we're seeing on Mars, both the background level as well as the spike. Uh, methane can be generated from the action of the solar ultraviolet radiation on surface organics. Cosmic dust in the form of interplanetary dust particles, uh, micrometeoritic particles, is a good source of surface organics. Uh, in the presence of liquid water, uh, methane can be generated by biology or geology. Uh, in the past, when Mars was wetter and warmer, uh, these kind of processes could have taken place. But even today, if there are subsurface aquifers present, the process can occur uh, today as well. In geology, uh, rocks containing 
minerals of olivine or pyroxene that's common, to, common on Mars uh, would interact with water and produce methane in the process known as serpentinization. Uh, in biology, certain microbes known as methanogens produce methane in their metabolic process. So once methane is produced, it can be stored in the subsurface. The storage is in the form of clathrate hydrates of methane. These are molecular cages in which uh, it's a water, ice, lettuce structure in which methane gas is trapped. From time to time, the clathrates are destabilized, methane escapes, and finds its way through cracks and fissures in the rocks and gets up into the atmosphere. So whether methane was produced biologically or geologically or by the surface uh, organics, uh, once it's in the atmosphere, the winds are going to move it around. In a matter of a few months, methane is going to be distributed over the entire planet. In the atmosphere, uh, photochemistry destroys methane. Solar photons, solar UV photons are absorbed by methane. They pull apart the methane molecule. Both methane and the products interact with the chemicals in the Mars atmosphere. Methane and the products get oxidized, and they form <coughs> things like formaldehyde and methanol. Ultimately, they all go into carbon dioxide, and that is added back to the background carbon dioxide atmosphere. So the very low background level of methane that we are seeing could result just from the UV degradation of the surface organics. Uh, biology and geology could add to it, but they're not really required. The sudden spike in methane that we're seeing over a two-month period, that represents a burp of methane from either a modern source or leakage of methane from uh, clathrate storage. Uh, <clears throat> the fact that methane uh, was at the background level it suddenly went up, came back down to the background level as suddenly, uh, indicates that the source must be relatively well localized and small. And uh, looking at the wind fields in Gale Crater and around Gale Crater, we suspect that the source is northerly. Right so uh, all these observations that we have over a two-year period, they... So there you go, folks. Uh, that, that's the uh, the clip I wanted to play. And uh, pretty much uh, they're saying in a lot smarter ways, uh, in a lot smarter words, anyway, what we were saying here on the article. Uh, look, this uh, could be what I've been saying, dude. Uh, you know, this could be the first step in them disclosing some kind of uh, life on Mars. And organic life, I think that's the way disclosure is going to happen. See, for those folks out there, and, and God bless you. You know, Steve Bassett's one of them. I love the dude. He's a good friend. You know, he's on the show a lot. Um, actually, he hasn't been on in a few months, but he will be back on pretty soon, by the way. Right. Uh, but, you know, folks like that who are fighting for disclosure, God bless them because they're fighting the good fight. But they're not going to ever give you disclosure the way you want it. I mean, it's, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think they're going to say, okay, all aliens are coming down. They're real. No, it's more, more likely going to be like, well, we found some fungus. Well, you know what it really is? <laughs> I, I think that uh, the underground Martian bases... Um, now we know what Marvin the Martian was looking for. Their their Q thirty six space modulator is actually a, a no 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 no. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the so. Illudium two thirty eight modulator. Moving on. Um, Chile's but, UFO investigations to be aided by a prominent French aerospace organization, and uh, I know that Mike wanted to talk about this. This is an interesting story. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, the Aeronautical and Astronautical Association of France, three AF, has signed an agreement with Chile's committee for the study of anonymous aerial phenomena 
and uh, they're going to cooperate together to study UFOs and and uh, uh, alleged landings and and sites and all that sort of stuff. And ultimately, I think the ultimate plan is really for Chile to coordinate with France so that when the aliens land, they can quickly work out a, the most pleasant way to surrender. Hmm. I agree with that. Already planning on surrendering. Wow, that's yeah. So you know, but that, I mean, that's just a theory. So. Well, everybody's got a theory. There you go. I still think we're already on Mars, but that's my opinion. I agree with that, too. Yeah, I think we've been on Mars. I think we've been there. I think, uh, like we were discussing before the start of the show, I think that the Mars rover actually got a dust cleaning from some of us that were already there. You know that methane uh, that, uh, that they're detecting? Maybe it was the guy in a, hat, in a sort of thin suit. Yeah, there was in an outhouse. Uh, the guy was taking a poop on Mars and... Flush the toilet, broke the pipe, methane's leaking into the air. You know, that's, that's a sad reality. Right. We go to another planet and we start polluting it with our poop. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me, man. It's got to go somewhere. Oh, that's true, too. Yep. Uh, but this is an interesting story. Why, why all the uh, sudden interest in, uh, in UFOs by Chile? Well, you know, I mean, all, all major governments do have an interest in anything like this that invades their airspace with impunity. Um, and pretty much just thumbs its nose at all the militaries of the world. And, uh, you know, as more nations become more advanced uh, technologically and militarily, they're, gonna, they're going to be concerned about this sort of thing. So we just uh, – and, and, you know, why not go to France? Because all jokes aside, France is a very uh, advanced nation in terms of um, aeronautics and, and science and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it, it's just interesting to me that, that it's France that they went to. Yeah, that's interesting mm. as heck, man. Yeah. And, and I don't know, if, uh, well, I mean, it, it's you really don't hear about France, uh, you know, showing much interest. Well, they in are involved field. in the European Space Agency. And, and you know, the the, the article that, that I saw says that, you know, they, they do want the U.S. to be involved. They're trying to, to get the U.S. to be involved in whatever they're doing. So that's good, I that guess. Good. All right, next story here on the uh, Sky Watchers uh, table here is uh, fast-moving UFOs pass over Costa Mesa, California. A California witness, uh, a Costa Mesa reported uh, watching a silent object with four round lights that appeared to be traveling low and fast across the sky at 9 p.m. on December 14th, just a few nights ago, according to testimony in case uh, number 61992 from the UFO uh, MUFON network. Uh, witnesses reported it, uh, reporting database says here uh, the witness was walking at his car or to his car when the uh, when the object was seen uh, between two airplanes dun 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 the object was traveling from east to west at a high rate of speed the witness mm. said they're, they're, well they're never traveling slow I mean what be the point right witnesses stated that uh, it was four lights in a fixed triangle position uh, pointing west and traveling west. Now, I wonder if the four lights were connected. Is, was one big massive ship, or was it like four different ships? Well, I'm looking at the at the uh, alleged photo. Well, I don't know if that's an alleged photo. That's but but the, it's it's not from. It says the witness attached this photo found on the internet that matched what was seen <laughs> in the sky. Right. Okay. So if this this photo looks like judging from the cars parked on the road, it looks like it's from like 1953. So. You know, right? That's like, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that, that's so, why I didn't assume that was an alleged photo. I mean, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Now, if you guys want to see what we're talking about, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. I'm going to post the link up there right now. Maybe it was a time traveling photo. 
Okay, J.J. Abrams. Good job. This photo actually looks like a reflection inside a pane of glass to me. Because if you look at the photo, you can see the frame of a window around the edge on the left and to the bottom. Yeah, you can and kind so, of see that. I yeah. See that, yeah. So it looks to me like those are lights inside the room. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Look, tricking a camera is not that difficult. It no. really isn't. I mean, how do you think Billy Myers has gotten away with it for over 40 years, right? Uh Pie plates. Yeah, exactly. Now, one last story here before we uh, we move on from our news segment. Colombian UFO uh, video causes some to believe it is a hot spot. Hot, caliente, a spot in Colombia. What do you guys think? Huh? The media has uh, picked up on a few alleged UFO videos from Colombia, prompting some to ask whether it is a new UFO hotspot. Many of the uh, facts regarding the video have been misreported by UFO websites, causing confusion and dubious conclusions on their part. Furthermore, some researchers think that the UFOs in the videos are likely very terrestrial in origin. <clears throat> Probably all fake. Last week, a video from uh, Medellin, Colombia made, made a lot of buzz. It was spotted... Uh, it was actually posted on several UFO websites uh, before it began uh, springing up on the news sites as well. It was reportedly filmed on November 16, 2014, and was originally posted on December 5, 2014, again, just recently. However, the video uh, most are referring to is uh, a copy that was reposted with permission uh, by a YouTuber called, uh, I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to give him the... the uh, there you there. go. Good. Not doing that. He's probably a hoaxer. But uh, there's a, a quote here. It says, uh, A rather strange object appeared several days after the hailstorm in the city of Medellin. Climate change this week was very, very quick. Rainy uh, rainy and cloudy days, sunny and dry. Did Alan, uh, did alien beings deal with uh, <laughs> these changes? Maybe. Are we well, ready for the uh, truth? Keep this in mind. Medellin, Colombia is known as the sort of like the cocaine capital of the world. So, see, that's what I was thinking. Mm. These are a bunch of dudes uh, just really high on blow and looking up to the well, sky. Well, it might be the cocaine and... export capital, but so many people live in poverty there. You know. Yeah, but cocaine. There's like drinking water here. I mean, it's a little. I mean, I mean yeah. I mean, how do you know that these people weren't? Just I mean, I don't know for sure. Them. I haven't like gone to Colombia and done like ounces of blow or anything like that. No. Are you sure? Not, nah, no. <laughs> no, you're not sure? Oh, okay. No, not this week anyway. Well, it's early. We can fix that. Yeah, no, it's still midweek. You know, we're good. Exactly. Anyway, uh, we're, we're going to go to break in a few minutes, but I want to ask, uh, Mike, what have you been up to recently? Uh, you know, we, we have a few minutes before we go to commercial break and get uh, Paul Dale Roberts on the line, and I want to give you a couple minutes to uh, update us on what's been uh, the latest in your world. On the outer well, edge. Let me see. On the outer edge. We've actually been uh, doing a lot of cool stuff. We've had some really great guests. Um, we're going to have a really interesting guest this weekend, a lady who is the director, believe it or not, of the Barnum & Bailey uh, Museum. She's going to have oh, a lot nice. of really cool stuff to tell us about. Yeah. But, we, you know, we have a wide range of stuff, uh, ufological, um, spiritual, paranormal, cryptozoological conspiracies, all that kind of good stuff. And But mm. uh, one, of the, one of the things that uh, I have coming up, I, I'm supposed to be on Ancient Aliens again, on the 26th of this month and uh, for a new episode. And uh, see what else. Tim Schwartz and uh, Sean Castile, Olav Phillips, and Tim Beckley, and some guy named William Michael Mott have a new book out called America's Strange Supernatural History. 
which has got a lot of interesting stuff in it. I've got a couple of articles in there in one chapter. And uh, Olaf Phillips has a really cool bit in there about uh, these really strange structures he's found in California, Northern California, that appear to be miles and miles of, of walls. And nobody knows who built these walls because they predate, you know, even the ancient Indian tribes as far as they can tell, they're really, really old. So nobody knows where these things came from. And, you know, and of course, with things like this, as is often, often the case, people don't want to talk about it because, you know, it doesn't fit the, the paradigm. It doesn't fit the accepted view of things. Again, that's, that's what my chapter is really about is, is some actual stuff from uh, the state of Mississippi, including stuff that I have uh, some photographic evidence of and, and things of that nature in, in terms of UFO um, just strange UFO things and, and um, uh, maybe something that's crypt- cryptid related. Just I don't I don't want to give it all away, but it's there in the book, so um, it's, it's very interesting. Very so, cool. Yeah, check that out if you can. And of course, my regular books are out there: uh, Caverns, Cauldrons, and Concealed Creatures, and uh, This Tragic Earth, which is all about Richard Shaver and his his rock books, which he claimed were you know uh, photographs of ancient civilizations. Uh, sort of a, a holographic technology in crystal, and uh, he he found some pretty strange stuff, and he would cut it up into slices, you know, with a, with a rock saw, and make photo exposures of it. So that's a that's an interesting book, and uh, just you know, different stuff. Always have something going on. So I was going to say, are, are there any photos on the internet of that one? Uh, that actually uh, sounds interesting. It does, of, yeah. What of this treasure earth? Um, not from this tragic earth because you know you got to watch your, your material or it'll be everywhere before you. Just know a it. couple of sample teaser picks. Just they two might, or three. They, they'd be fine. I, actually, if you were to go to uh, Amazon and look at the, the Kindle preview, you would probably be able to see it. Mm, good to know. But you know that book's interesting because it's got a lot of rare stuff that Shaver himself wrote about his rock books, um, how he makes them, what he thinks they are, this kind of stuff. And with Richard Shaver, you know, it, it's a mixed bag because the guy was very strange and, and he had his mental issues and, and all that sort of stuff. But he obviously had came across a very bizarre uh, phenomena that really has not been explained. I mean, if you, if, if you see what I've found, what happened was I came into possession of some, uh, some, rock book slices that Shaver had done. And what that means is he had made photo exposures through these thinly sliced pieces of rock onto photographic paper. And, you know, I think they're like five by sevens. And I came into possession of a whole big stack of these things. So I scanned these all at like, you know, 1200 dots per inch and zoomed in on them in Photoshop. And this is raw data. In other words, this is, these are, these weren't like his paintings that he did based on his rock books. These are actually the slices of rock. And I found some really strange things in there, and they're in the book. And if you find things that look like photographs of people, and literally they do, they look like, look like photographs of people and objects and, and just all, machinery and all kinds of weird stuff, and strange creatures and things like this. You know, if you find three of them, okay, that's a coincidence. Right. Right. But when you find 50, 60 of them, then... There's something going on, right? Yeah, it's pretty weird, and and so the, it's just a very strange book. Um, it's got a lot of cool stuff in it. I really wanted that book to be sort of like a shavers on view of this stuff, and let the the people kind of people who read it kind of get an idea of what he was looking at and what he was seeing when he looked at that raw data that inspired him to 
to try to because what he did was he tried to come up with an explanation himself for for what it was. You know whether that ex- explanation is accurate or not. I leave that up to the reader. I'm not going to say one way or the other. But it's just a very strange, uh, very strange thing that he found. And you know, of course, caverns, cultures, and concealed creatures touches on that a little bit. But that's just a very small part of that book, which is which deals basically with you know various ancient mysteries, um, cryptids, ancient civilizations, uh, pre-human civilizations, that type of thing. So, you know, very kooky, interesting stuff. Everybody, check out the books on Amazon.com. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome stuff. Uh, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have more mysterious conversations. This time, we're going to be joined with Paul Dale Roberts, who is joining the call here. We're going to pick his brain on what he's been working on for the last six months uh, since I think we last talked to him. It's been like five, six months. Sounds right? about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, it's always fun when we have Paul Dale Roberts on. Remember, this is the man who gave us the term Bat Squatch. Dun, dun, dun. Hopefully he's not going to hold it against us that we No, 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 I don't think he's a good guy. Do we discuss that with him before we're getting him on the phone here? Or is he going to chew us out as soon as we get him on? He'll probably chew us out, but it's all good. Okay. All right. love the guy. Right. He's a good guy. We'll be back, everybody. This is the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio, Skywatchers Radio. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Remember, future theater can be heard every monday night at 4 p.m pacific standard time 7 p.m eastern with your host bill that's me and nancy i caramba burns and we are broadcasting live right here on the dark matter radio network breaking the walls down this is radio this is what people want to download the podcast make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com Hello, I'm Bruce Pearson, documentary producer, investigator, and a co-host of Unknown Origins Radio, which airs each Thursday evening from 8 till 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Please join me and my colleagues, Mark Johnson and Lauren DePinto, for two hours of thought-provoking interviews discussing some of today's most intriguing subjects and personalities. If you've been searching for a cutting-edge investigative radio show which strives to raise the bar in investigative talk radio, why not check out Unknown Origins Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. 
this Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to add you as a new member of the Unknown Origins Radio family. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more superman homepage.com you're listening to psn radio the best in talk radio anywhere on the internet All right, everybody, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio. The sounds you're listening to there is my friend, my buddy, good guy, Tim Branham, with the song Taxman. I love this track. Awesome. Anyway, guys, we're back on the air on Skywatchers Radio right here live on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And now we are joined on this impromptu roundtable discussion of ufology. By our good friend, Mr. Paul Dale Roberts. Paul, welcome back, my friend. It's been way too long. I know, way too long, Angel, way too long. Yeah, um, I just got over a cold, so thank goodness I don't have any kind of investigation this uh, upcoming weekend or anything like that. But So I'm going to try to hang in there. Um, have you, have to, not to cut you off, but have no. you ever been like deadly sick, like really, really sick, and been on a, on a, on a major investigation like... Oh, my God, yes. Uh, we did a, a segment for um, Biography Channel's My Ghost Story, and um, I had a really terrible stomach virus. And so every time they stopped filming, I was laying on the ground. That's how bad off I was, and constantly using the restroom and everything else. It was it was Re- horrific. Releasing that methane? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it was horrific. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, what happened on Mars. The, yeah, I made it. Yeah, I made it through the whole thing, but it was it was painful. I bet sounds painful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, do you think? Uh, I mean, have you uh, ever like heard something on one of these investigations because you've been so sick, and maybe the medication like made you hear something? Has that anything like that ever happened? Or see no, something they're... like bizarre, and you're like, "Ah, man, I was just on the medication I was on." <laughs> no, I would just no, especially if I had a stomach virus. I would, the only thing I would do is visualize the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now here's well, a good plan. Did, good plan. Here's a question: When you're out <laughs> ghost hunting and you're feeling <laughs> sick, anybody try uh, possessing you? No, no, oh. no. Um, <clears throat> Um, I never, okay, I've been like on over 900 investigations, and I've never had that happen to me. Uh, my other investigators, uh, you know, I've had them where they feel like they have an attachment, they're possessed, 
you know, but I never have that problem. Never. Hmm. <laughs> what did, what did, when you went to Costa Rica, did you ever have any, any use of the medication down there? Some of it very, very natural stuff. Real natural. <laughs> yeah. Comes real in green. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, 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 no medication, nothing like that in Costa Rica. No, no, no. <laughs> now, no, what have I you mean, been? Even, even like when I went to, uh, okay, Jamaica, it uh-huh. was so funny. When I went to Jamaica and I was walking, this is not even paranormal, but when I went <laughs> to Jamaica, I was walking along the beach and this guy came up to me and he says, hey, Mon, you want some Seashells. ganja? Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I go, ganja, what's ganja? He goes, ganja, mine. <laughs> Bob Marley. I go, Bob Marley? Oh, you have an impersonator doing Bob Marley? No, 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 Mon. Ganja, Mon. I go, I don't know what ganja is. Ganja, marijuana. I go, oh, I don't do marijuana. Why are you in Jamaica, Mon? I go, I, know, I like rum and coke. But you crazy, Mon. You don't do ganja? I go, no, I don't do ganja. I don't even know what ganja is, you know, until you told me, so... You know, that's yeah, that's, so. uh, that's funny. I've been to Jamaica a couple times. In fact, Alan here uh, can back me up on this because we worked in the same travel company a long time ago. And Oh, God, you know, it's a decade plus. Oh, it's been crazy. It's crazy how time flies. Uh, but on one of the – remember the, the fam trips that we used to take, Alan, that they made oh, yeah. us take? On one of those trips, I went with uh, my then-girlfriend, Susie, and uh, we went to Jamaica. And we, we stayed at Sandals Ocho Reels. And I'll never forget this. This is the funniest thing. That's why I said seashells because it just it brought me back to this moment. Uh, me and my girlfriend are walking down the beach, and, and Paul, you're going to get a kick out of this. We're walking okay. down the beach, and there's a part of the resort that's fenced off from the other side where there would be another resort which was closed down at the at the moment. And that property didn't belong to the Sandals property, so they they had it fenced off. There was a guy on the other side who you know he was he was above the law. He didn't care. What was the fence? He didn't care about the law. He was some Jamaican dude with dreads. I mean, like the if you think of a Typical Jamaican stereotype, that's this guy. That's what was on the other side of this fence. And me and my girl just walking around, you know, just walking, holding hands, you know, all lovey-dovey type. And he yells from the other side of the fence. He's like, hey, man, why don't you bring your lovely lady over here and see what I've got to sell you? That's pretty good, right? That's kind of right. That's not that bad. That's really bad. good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that w- yeah. That's not bad. Well, anyway, he comes over. He goes, hey, look at this. Why don't you get your lady here a nice seashell? Only $5. It was a little tiny seashell, and then he had a bigger seashell for $20, a really huge seashell for 20 bucks. And I go, well, it's a nice seashell, you know, but I'm not, you know, what are we going to do with that? We can't, like, leave it on, you know, go on the plane back with that, you know, it's huge seashell. So I asked her, I was like, do you want a seashell? And she was like, not really, no, it's, no, it's not interesting. And then I, I told the guy, no, you know, it's okay. And he's like, well, man, if you buy the seashell, you get what's inside. It's a nice little gift. And I asked him what's inside, and he literally like reached inside like the opening of the seashell and pulled out one of the biggest bags of weed I've ever seen in my life. Oh my gosh! <laughs> For twenty bucks. Oh my god! So it's safe to say we bought three seashells that night. <laughs> and Whoa. exactly all of it. <laughs> it was a great trip. I mean, I don't remember much. Well, you know. here's the best part, man. If you really <clears throat> need to do this again, you can go to Denver, not in the winter time. But it's not the same, and it's not as much fun as in Jamaica. Dude, you ever – really? Denver? Really? Jamaica is a blast, man. It really is. I love Jamaica. I actually traveled there a few times uh, when we were back in uh, the prestige days. Mm. I miss working there, Alan. I miss it so much, man. It well, was so good to me. It, it, it was a fun place, but it while was. it lasted. 
It was. It was. So no ganja for uh, for you, huh, Paul? No ganja for <laughs> me. No, I'm here for Hawaii uh, uh, in February. So I already have my ticket. So uh, maybe I'll go over there and look for the minahuni. There you go. Do there that. Go. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so, but I got to tell you, I got to tell you guys, um, uh, Mike Angel, I yeah. had this really good UFO case over in Colfax. Let's talk about and, that. And yeah, and well, anyway, this guy, he has a house near McKellen Air Force Base, and so he sees all these uh, um, the drones and everything else, and some of the you know uh, uh, fighter jets that they. Um, they utilize for their training and stuff like that over the skies and stuff like that. But he also too noticed that there was some really unusual activity, uh, like UFO activity, um, mm. things like that would power up, zip around, do zigzags in the sky, which isn't nothing like any conventional aircraft. Right. So he told me about it. He told me about it and I brought my team over there. And we saw um, my wife, Diana, she uh, took two crystal skulls, and she does like a communication through the crystal skulls. It's now, hold on. Are these other... man-made crystal skulls, or are these... Yeah, uh... they're, they're just man-made. Just well, right are, man-made. They all are made, man-made crystal skulls, yeah. really. Well, no, no. Yeah. They can't yeah. explain some of them, how they were made. Yeah. No, these were Raquel. actually made by... Um, uh, I forget what the name of the woman is. But she's uh, an author of some Crystal Skull books. And Deanna's a big fan of hers and stuff like that. She actually hand-made these Crystal Skulls. And Deanna has two of them. So she uses them like, for like uh, communication purposes. And Deanna's a sensitive, and I'm not a sensitive. Is it Sherry like Whitfield? Or like, don't you think Sherry Whitfield or something like that? Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've interviewed absolutely. her. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I've interviewed her before. Yeah. So, anyway, Deanna says that when things start happening, that the crystal skulls, they vibrate in her hand. Okay, so, anyway, she was with two investigators, and they're like 200 yards away from me and these other investigators. And we see, like, two satellites in the sky going in opposite directions but towards each other. And we're watching them, and we're going, yeah, those are satellites. You know, one's going west, one's going east, and they're headed for each other really close. And Deanna's communicating, saying, okay, um, if you're out here, give me a sign. And as soon as she said that and she felt the vibration of the crystal skull, this one thing that we thought was a satellite powered up. I mean, it really flared up, and then it flared down. And no satellite that I know of does that. And we're, like, making a lot of noise, going, whoa, what was that? And Deanna's, like, 200 yards away from me with her two investigators, and they can hear us, like, screaming on what the hell was that. And then the one satellite that kept on moving, that was headed west, kept on going. That one didn't flare up. But the one going east, all of a sudden, after it flared up, it vanished. It was like, what the hell? So, it's like, I'm no really 
good explanation for that. It's like, what was that? So you wouldn't, and, you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, say it might have been an iridium flare or iridium satellite or something like that? Say that again? So you, would you rule out iridium, like an iridium flare? Or no, 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 no. It wasn't any kind of flare or anything like that. It was just, uh, uh, it, it was moving like a little, you know, like you you're, you know, look in the night sky and you see those tiny little starlight satellites moving slowly right, right, across right, right. the, yeah, the hemisphere, right? I mean, that's what we're watching. It looked like a satellite, you know? And so the other one coming towards it looked like a satellite. So we're saying those are two satellites, but then one flared up. It was just a huge flare up, and no satellites that I know of. And I did. Well, I got on the internet, started digging up any, any kind of satellites out there flare up, right. and I can't find anything on it. Well, I seen uh, I seen a few with iridium. I seen a few iridium flare satellites that are they really flare up like badly, but yeah. nothing that well, moves fast. So. There's always a chance that you what you actually saw was. Um, some sort of a space warfare experiment, exercise, um, or actual somebody taking out a satellite. I mean, there's stuff up there, you know, that that you're not going to see on uh, the, even on the Discovery Channel. Okay, so mm-hmm. yeah, there's no telling what you saw. It doesn't necessarily mean it was an alien, like even mm-hmm. UFO unidentified. Yeah, it could have. It could have been very well some kind of experimental, maybe satellite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but it was kind of unusual that Diana at the same time is saying, "Give me a sign, show you know, say something." Yeah, that is right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we saw one globe object. I mean, it was a a white globe object, and as we were watching it, it became a fully red globe object mm-hmm. moving across the sky. How- that was unusual too. How high was that, do you think? Mm. Uh, gosh. Thousands of feet? I don't feet. know. I, I, I would say, okay, if he has... Oh. Okay, let's say Statue of Liberty. Uh, stack it up three times mm-hmm. about that height. Wow. It's yeah. pretty tall. It's pretty up there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a little impressive. So that was that yeah. was one. That wasn't in Colfax. That was in Grass Valley. So we had a, a, a Colfax uh, UFO case. Nothing, nothing panned out. Nothing. We didn't see anything. Um, um, but then the Grass Valley one. In fact, we're going to go back to Grass Valley as soon as the weather clears up. We're getting a lot of rain right now. And Paul, let me ask so, you. In, in a lot of this uh, UFO investigations that you've done in the, in the last uh, decade. Um, have you encountered any scenarios that deal with the men in black at all? Have uh, has that ever become a factor in any of these investigations? No. Um, um, Area fifty one, we did that investigation, and um, George Knapp uh, he tweeted it that we're headed over there and stuff like that. <clears throat> one of the girls, one of the investigators that went, claims that she was confronted with the men in black, uh, but. Hmm. I don't know, just talking to her, let's say, three times where she's telling me the story, it just didn't, it wasn't consistent. The story wasn't consistent, so I have a hard time believing that. You know, I've heard less and less reports of men in black uh, being, you know, showing up uh, to, to 
places and interrogating people and, and whatnot. Uh, less and less over the last couple of decades. But uh, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, when these uh, UFO reports first started getting really out there, uh, there was a lot of reports about the Men in Black. Do you believe there there is such a thing as uh, the an authentic Men in Black organization? I think people misidentify them. Uh, they're probably government agents because check this out. When I was in military intelligence in the army, right? Um, it, it sounds like I'm having a hard time breathing because I got over this cold. So, so excuse me. But anyway, uh, you're I was doing in good, man. You're, doing good. You're, doing good. you're hanging in there. You're <laughs> okay. you're yeah, you're fine. We can hear you. It's no Darth Vader, All right. but you know, it's no, good. No, no. All right. Um, anyway, I was a 97 Bravo intelligence analyst with military intelligence, 501st. Uh, military intelligence group over in Seoul, Korea. And when we went to the 38th parallel where you walk around the conference table, we had to take off our insignia showing that we're military intelligence. And most of us were wearing suits. So anybody... Yeah, they were black. Yeah, we're men in black. <laughs> or when we went to Osan Air Force Base to pick up reconnaissance aerial photographs, the... Uh, we call them hot rolls. And the hot rolls, when we were to pick these up, we were in unmarked vehicles, and there was a little play card that we had, and it says, do not stop this vehicle for any reason, blah, blah, blah. And all the Korean police were notified that we're coming through uh, uh, through this one little um, uh, uh, section where it's like a toll, uh, toll bridge, and we zipped right through that and into Osan, uh, Air Force Base to pick up the hot rolls. And we're wearing suits and everything else. And, you know, let's say we're investigating something and um, we're someplace in our suits and we don't tell we don't tell anybody that, you know, hey, we're military intelligence. We just say we're here uh, investigating. So, um, and Anybody thinking or seeing us or anything like that, they think in their mind, those guys are men in black, you know, so. Right. Yeah. Which I think, honestly, I think that's really been, uh, you know, the misconception with the men in black. I do think it's been a lot of, like, CIA agents, FBI agents, military uh, people undercover uh, that they've gone and interrogated certain people, and then that lore becomes a big thing. Uh, but, right. you know, it, it, there is, of course, uh, some of the cases where people, you know, mention that they don't look quite human. They look a little bit off, a little bit right. Right, exactly. You know, and well, those, some, are, those some, are the weird some ones. Some look Asian. Yeah, some look Asian. Some do. I've heard that yeah. also, yeah. yeah. And, that. So, and, some, yeah. and some seem to degenerate over time as they're, yeah. you know, as the interview, as, if you would call it that, goes on. They seem to, they, they have problems breathing, speaking. Um, they get confused. And then there have even been a few that have been described as seeming to sort of uh, disintegrate, start to fall apart in some way. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. Well, I'll tell yeah, you what, there's... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, when I was with military intelligence, they said if you're off-site someplace and someone asks who you are, don't tell them. So I was like, okay, I won't tell them. Makes sense, yeah. So and we didn't and we didn't have to show them any kind of ID, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, okay. But it was always somebody who was, let's say, uh, if it was an MP, the uh, captain... The MP captain knew who we were, but we didn't have to identify ourselves to the other MPs. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, hmm. that's interesting. I'll tell you one thing that's going to be also interesting. 
Um, it's a side note to Men in Black, but I don't know if anybody's heard, but um, the 21 Jump Street movie franchise is going to be combined next with the Men in Black uh, movie series uh movie franchise as well. Well, that, yeah, that's part of the Sony leaks. Um, that's part of what leaked out. God bless you, by the way. Bless you. I yeah. think that... I wait, think wait, wait, wait. 22 Jump Street and Men in Black? Well, it's, it's going to be 23. Together? Yeah, it's going to be 23 Jump Street, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. That doesn't even make sense. I mean, they're two completely no. different franchises. I mean, well, it's... it's I mean, are, are they trying to do Marvel team-ups? Um, I guess. You know, I, 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 they're trying to put together their own version of the Justice League with Sony. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be the first one to call it tonight. I'm calling Batsquatch on that. Uh, no, no, I believe this is real. <laughs> I'm hearing it from more, uh, from a couple of other places. Batsquatch, my friend. I'm calling Batsquatch <laughs> on this one. Uh, I, just, I don't believe it. I just don't. Uh, I'm By sorry, the way, I, we I do have to happen. thank you for giving us Batsquatch. Yes. Eternally uh, grateful for yeah. that. <laughs> Eternally. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Oh, I, I got to tell you one more uh, case. Do I have time? Yeah, yeah, sure. You still have Absolutely. some more minutes. Go for it. Okay, okay. Um, we had this one ghost investigation, and Diana uh, just blew me away. Um, and here I am bragging about my wife, but Diana, uh, she goes, something's burning my leg. And like I said, she's a sensitive. So um, she goes, something's burning my leg. Take a photo. So we take some photos, and there's this black thing hovering over her leg. We have no explanation. We try to duplicate that picture and everything else, and we have no explanation on what that black does, hovering it, does thing is. Does it look like a fog? Leg. I mean, what can, when you say black hovering thing, is it like a fog over her leg? or It, it was like a black circle hovering over her leg. It was a, a circle really or a sphere? Weird. It was a, a, a circle. It was a circle. It was almost a perfect circle. Well, that is wow. That is weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, we I, have. I mean, she's intuitive, right? I mean, she's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just like. A, I mean, do you, do you think that maybe she? Uh, I don't know. Uh, attracted some kind of a wandering uh, apparition. Um, she says that the entities are attracted to her, so. Um, yeah, she picks up a nice. whole lot of stuff. I have to re-bless my house over and over again because she's always bringing something home. I mean, do you, yeah. really? Do you, do you, like, hear stuff of the house? I mean, do you, do you hear, like, footsteps Oh, my God. Yeah, just recently, yeah, uh, I saw a full-body apparition two times. It was, like, in the house. No kidding. And, and then Deanna saw it, too, and she's describing the same thing. And I go, oh, my God. And, um... I mean, it's not causing any problems or anything, but I went ahead and blessed the house, which I'm really good at, and the entity, I haven't seen it. Hmm. So do you think that, is it possible that your own pursuits attract these things and you're bringing them home? Um, now with Deanna, before um, I um, brought some haunted objects home, and the house mm-hmm. was haunted for a while, and they don't stick around because I think they know that I'm really good at blessing homes. I don't know how I became so good at it. It just happened that way. And uh, Deanna, they're very much attracted to, and they seem to follow her home, yeah. Hmm. 
Well, that's just not cool. You know, actually, uh, Paul, there's a place down here in Florida, which I would love for you to come down and check out. Um, when we first moved to Florida, when we came to the U.S. from Cuba, uh, we lived in a house here in Florida for about maybe five months. And the house in the 60s and 70s used to be a, a mortuary or a funeral home. And they had, there's a church that was like a block away, and they would, like, take bodies from that church, or the morgue, you know, and the whole thing. And um, this place got turned into a duplex home. And I'm working really close to that house, and I was driving by the other day, and it still looks the same as, you know, from 1981. I mean, the house has not changed. It's really like an old, rundown, huge duplex. And the people there still hear things. And I, I think that would be a great place to, like, spend the night and investigate it. There's, like, a part of it that nobody rents. Because they just do it, keep, they do it, Jackal, do it, do it, Angel, do it. And I don't want to yep. go back in there. Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? Come on, man, you could do it. Wait, but, but you don't. Paul believe, you don't really. But you're a skeptic. You don't really believe in it. So yes, I say that thing. now. But when I'm in there and I'm hearing woogie woogie woogie, I'm gonna start running. Yeah, huh? Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I need to get down to Florida anyway. I have a sister over there, and a former sister-in-law over there. So uh, they keep on telling me. Yeah, get over to Florida. There's so many haunted places over here. And I've been to Florida once, but only to see Disney World. Well, yeah, there, well, there's a lot of haunted spots in Orlando, too, from what I hear. But, uh, uh, no, this place is creepy, man. Uh, and I remember as a kid, I was not mind you, I was like four years old, three years old, or, you know, around there when we lived in this place. And uh, it's funny because we moved to California right after. Uh, we were like, screw Miami, man. We're getting the hell out of this place. <laughs> it's, uh, it's weird. Nothing but ghosts. Uh, no, but we used to hear, like, literally, I remember hearing footsteps, uh, banging on the doors, screaming, you know, from, like, other sides of the room. Uh, one thing that was really always creeping me out as a kid was to see, like, um, keys slide from one part of the table to the other by themselves. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the actual curtains would shake and rattle by themselves, which is weird. We don't have earthquakes in Miami, so it doesn't happen, you know? Uh, it was just a, a really strange experience. And I, I never saw an apparition, per se. I never saw a, a ghost or anything like that. But uh, that would be a great spot for you guys to camp out and do a, an investigation on, because there is literally it's a duplex. It's a big spot, big house. And half of it has not been rented, I think, for like the last eight years. Nobody wants to move in there. Wow, wow. Hey, did I ever tell you about Emily the ghost? No, tell us about Emily the ghost. <laughs> okay. I have not heard about it. Well, okay, we we investigated this house in Vacaville, and it was haunted by an entity named Emily. She supposedly committed suicide when she found out her husband was cheating on her. So uh, we did an investigation there, and Emily was causing all kinds of problems for the family. And one of the investigators who was really uh, acceptable to Emily he just he just plopped on the couch. I go. I looked at him. I go, "What's wrong?" And he goes, "I'm feeling so drained." He goes, uh, "Emily is near me. I can feel it." He goes, "She's draining my energy. I can't move." I go, "Really?" I go, "Okay." So I said, "Emily, if you're here, appear by." And I'll just make up a name. I'll call him Tony. I said, "Appear by Tony." Uh, appear above his head. So I take a photo, and there's an orb above his head. Mm. And I go, wow, check that out, you know? No kidding. And I go, I go, okay, Emily, I said, if you like Tony, I said, I'm going to take a picture and kiss him. And I take a picture of Tony, and the orb is now on his mouth. 
Whoa. And that showed, yeah, that showed intelligent movement, and I can deem it as a spiritual containment field. I mean, that's a total response to your to your. Yeah, question there, here, there's yeah. definitely interaction. There. Now, yes. if yes. Had, if he, if he had developed a fever blister there the next day, oh, oh yeah. that's, a, that's a dirty <laughs> apparition. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> very dirty one, very dirty one. Yeah, yeah. He's been hanging that out with Beetlejuice. That was, like, so amazing. And and so I do have my uh, investigators, like, they'll put their hand up against the wall and say, okay, um, if you're truly a ghost or if you're actually listening to me, appear by my hand. And we'll take a picture in the orb. If it appears by that person's hand, it shows intelligent movement again. So, and that's happened a few times, and other times it doesn't happen. So that way I can uh, look at an orb, and it could be dust, it could be dirt, it could be skin flakes, it could be lint, it could be dew drops, it could be light refractions, whatever. But if it shows some kind of intelligent movement, it's listening to my command appear by their hand. And three cameras are taking pictures, and on all three photos, there's an orb by that person's hand. I can deem that as a spiritual containment field. No kid, that's creepy. Do you have any of these pictures online we can view? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I throw them right into my articles, yeah. Very yeah. cool. Um, yeah, just hit me up on Facebook, and I'll start sending you like links to certain things, like the the black thing that was hovering over Diana's leg and stuff like that. So, Yeah, I'd love to take a look at that, uh, those those pics. Uh, Paul, uh, what's uh, coming up uh, in the near future here for you? Do you have any uh, events you want to plug real quick because we're almost out of time with you? Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, we we have, like, a lot of investigations coming up. We're, we're going to go to the place called The Ranch. And The Ranch, we took a full-body apparition photo of a cowboy. Uh, wearing a cowboy hat, uh, standing there. And this photo went around the world. In fact, it was actually, uh, I, I think, Coast to Coast AM uh, actually displayed the photo because it was such a clear photo. And my ghost story actually got a hold of it, and they did a segment over there. So anyway, the people that live at the ranch are getting more activity, and they invited us back over there. So we're going to do that. Very cool. Um, we have a UFO investigation coming up in Corning, and um, this woman saw what looked like a triangular-type UFO. Okay, and Corning's next to Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta is a very mystic-type oh, mountain. Spot. Oh, it's a hot spot, yeah. Yep. And she's right on the ley line towards Mount Shasta. In fact, Bill Burns uh, declared that whole area as a... Um, uh, he called it a uh, UFO. Uh, oh God, what did he call it? Uh, forget. Yeah, he forget he didn't say hotspot, but it was pretty much uh, in the general no. terms. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he has a name for it because it's gold country, and it seems like UFOs are attracted. UFO to Mecca. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So anyway, it's right. Corning's right on the ley line going to Mount Shasta. It's really mm -hmm. close to Mount Shasta, and she saw a triangular-shaped UFO. It hovered over her house. Um, she was sort of affected by it. She went through like something like the Oz effect, where everything was kind of like moving in slow motion and all kinds of weird stuff. And then another night, 
she saw something that kind of looked like a flying humanoid that went right across her home. Uh-oh. So anyway, we're good. Yeah, so we're definitely going to do that uh, January seventeenth. Yeah. yeah. Now, is any of this stuff going to end up on like on videos on YouTube or online or on your website or any, anything like that going to end up on there? Um, well, I did away with my website because uh, I work for Beforest News and Costa Rica Times. Uh-huh. So my best cases get published on Beforest News. Gotcha. So that gives me, yeah. So all they have to do is just type in Paul Dale Roberts Beforest News, and they can get a lot of my articles, a lot of my pictures, a lot of my videos, everything else. So, Or just uh, Google Paul Dale Roberts and hit video, and you get a lot of videos and stuff like that. Awesome, our Paul. Cases and stuff. We love having you on, Paul. You're one of the best, and we love uh, you know when you're on here with us. And hopefully, it doesn't take four or five months to get you back on. Take care of yourself, man. I, I know that you're under the weather still a little bit, and uh, hopefully, next time uh, we speak to you, you're, you're uh, 100%. Yeah, I, I think I think I think Emily's draining me. <laughs> I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, have yourself a great night, my friend. You're awesome. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you, guys. Okay, yeah. Take care, good buddy. Night. Okay. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the world famous Paul Dale Roberts. I love having Paul on. He's always a fun, fun guest to have on, and he always has, you know, he has a lot of uh, of the best investigations. I mean, he really does. I mean, a lot of his stuff is is a lot of fun to listen to, and he really does go on in these investigations. People, I mean, it's not like he makes his stuff up. And I thought you were going to call Batsquatch on him. No, this is one guy I would not call Batsquatch on. Okay. He might call it on me a few times, but never on him. Never, <laughs> never, ever. Uh, now, speaking of which, uh, I know that uh, we're going to go to break here in about maybe five minutes, maybe ten minutes, something like that. And we have uh, Robert Morningstar, who's going to be, be joining us. But before we do that, uh, Michael Mott, my good friend. Yes. Mr. Mott. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit of, um, I know you wanted to chime in a little bit here before we, uh, we left for the hour. You, there's some stuff you wanted to get to. Well, you know, uh, we do have a radio show here on yes, PSN Radio. Yes, you do. Uh, it's called The Outer Edge, and it's uh, Tim Schwartz and myself. This is and a course, shameless plug, by the way. Shameless yes, plug. Yes, it is. It's shame, right. quite shameless. Tim and I are both uh, writers and researchers it's, uh, in this area, in these various fields. And so uh, we, we kind of do this as just it's sort of a labor of love, but it's also just for fun. And we have a lot of fun, and we have a lot of really great guests um, run the gamut. So we're on Sunday nights. Uh, midnight Eastern Time, eleven Central, and uh, we go for two hours. So uh, check it out if you got a slow, uh, slow Sunday, or if you're up late can't sleep, go on over to theouteredgeradio.com and uh, check us out. It is a fun show. I haven't been on with you guys in a, in a while. It's been a, a weird because we used to do the show all together and. It's been a long, long time. You guys uh, are really uh, keeping it fun, man. I listen almost every weekend. Uh, guys, check them out. The Outer Edge on PSN yep, Radio. It's a lot of fun. We're going to go on break here in uh, a little bit under a minute. Uh, anything else we uh, we want to uh, tell the audience before we go on break, guys? Any, any last parting words uh, from you, Mike? No, not really. Just uh, That's what keep, we do here on the show. Keep looking up. <laughs> who, who, was, who says that? Who says keep looking up? There's somebody that actually says that. I, I say that once in a while. Oh no no guys. no! What's the guy on PBS? The guy who used keep to looking be... up. No, no, keep... Carl, didn't Carl Sagan used to say keep looking up? No no I no no no! I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was this guy who Dr. Was... Tyson. No, Grill, no 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 no! What's it? 
it wasn't uh, him. It was uh, whoever was on PBS in the middle of the mor- middle of the like night doing like. Well, you c-, and he sounds like the guy had, that does the paintings. Well, you can see Sagittarius over here, and if you that's keep- it. It's the guy that used to do the astronomy on deal. PBS. Yeah, I mean, what was oh, that like? What happened twenty to that years guy? ago? I don't know. I, I have was no in- idea. Hey, he was in Miami. Well, yeah, wasn't was it, he? wasn't he the dude that like in the background was like all like a green screen and it was all like yeah space yeah. and stuff yeah 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 you know that 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 cat uh, he actually was in your neck of the woods Angel I think he was in isn't there like a big planetarium down there in Miami yeah there is yeah, actually there is. Uh, yeah it's I not a big one but he was affiliated affiliated with that I believe. Yeah, oh, he was the one who was like, "You keep keep watching the stars," and he said it in always that. He, he kind of reminded me of of Rip Torn and Captain Kangaroo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that Rip Torn—that's a weird combination, but it's it accurate. But it it's is. Good, that, yeah. That's what he. That's what he. But he was kind of like a kind of like the uh, the weird synthesis of the two. Yeah. Okay. I'm wow. Not, With I'm that, not, we're going to break, guys. Yeah. That's, <laughs> all right, guys. That's the end of the segment. Uh, Thanks for having me on tonight. I enjoyed uh, it. Mike, hey, you're awesome. Thanks for being on, uh, co-hosting with us on the first hour. That's always uh, fun to have you on, and uh, we'll look forward to having you back on pretty soon. We're going to be back in a few minutes, guys, with Mr. Robert Morningstar, and he has a whole bunch of stuff to share with us on this very special episode of Skywatchers Radio, week before Christmas and all through the night. Will anybody see a flying Santa this year? Big old if- fat guy in a reindeer suit. Time to go mobile. to Podcast UFO at 9pm Eastern Standard Time. That's 1am UTC GMT each Wednesday evening. We take a look at our fascinating universe in our astronomy segment and then host Martin Willis interviews guests on topics including UFO sightings, abductions and cover-ups. Guests are noted scientists, sighting witnesses, investigators and skeptics and have included Stan Friedman, Leslie Kane, Colby Landrum, Travis Walton, Dr. Seth Shostak, Robert Hastings, David Jacobs, and many more. You can even interact with our guests by joining the chat room live at podcastufo.com. So, see you this Wednesday at 9pm Eastern Standard on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And remember, in the meantime, keep your eyes to the sky. Hello. I'm Bruce Pearson, documentary producer, investigator, and a co-host of Unknown Origins Radio, which airs each Thursday evening from 8 till 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Please join me and my colleagues, Mark Johnson and Lauren DePinto, for two hours of thought-provoking interviews discussing some of today's most intriguing subjects and personalities. If you've been searching for a cutting-edge investigative radio show which strives to raise the bar in investigative talk radio, why not check out Unknown Origins Radio, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. 
this Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to add you as a new member of the Unknown Origins Radio family. This is Jeff Brady, host of In Other News, heard on Dark Matter Radio, Thursdays at 5 p.m. In this strange period where free energy technology is weaponized, dissent is criminalized, and war economies flourish, the human family is being deliberately assaulted on multiple fronts, in the food, air, water, and during sleep. Yet here we are with information at our fingertips, only to become a slave to the portable digital communication device. You know what you're really communicating. You're screaming to cell phone corporations, please put a chip in me. Past shows have looked at issues involving electromagnetic weapons, satellite stalking, RFID, orgone and organite, illegal fluoridated drinking water for infants, airport radiation scanners, secret societies, energy vampires, psychopathy and surveillance, sex trafficking, disaster capitalism. So tune in to In Other News Thursdays at 5 p.m. on the Dark Matter Radio Network, the pioneers of overnight talk radio. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Remember, Future Theater can be heard every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Hi, Caramba. Burns, and we are broadcasting live right here on PSN Radio. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com. Everybody, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio, right here live again on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. And now, without any further delay, the gentleman of the hour, the one, the only UFO Digest's own, Mister Robert Morningstar. How you doing, sir? Welcome back to Skywatchers Radio. Hi, don't call me sir. <laughs> Mister Sir Senor Robert Morningstar. 
Now, seriously, you're like you're like one of the, the the best guests that we have on the show. We love having you on. Every time you're on the show, it's just a a fascinating segment. And I know that we have a lot to talk about. Stuff that uh, people are going to probably leave uh, not being able to sleep tonight because of the stuff we're going to talk about. Because it's going to be really really scary stuff. Uh, but you're always fun to have on the show, man. So thank you for being on here. Hey, it's a pleasure. I enjoy your yeah. But being. scary is a matter of perspective. I'm sorry. Right. Well, it's scary to some. The strange is always scary in the beginning, and then you get used to it, you know? Yes, like, indeed. Um, now, we have, we have a, a couple of things we're going to talk about with you, uh, Robert, and uh, one of them is a couple of pictures that you uh, sent us uh, that deal with uh, none other than our favorite hotspot, the moon. Yep. I My sent you two very interesting photos. One is a, um, uh Ellerman crater, which is something that I discovered over a period of time. Very unusual structure on the far side of the moon, near the uh, Mare Orientale, the, the, the greatest impact basin uh, on the moon. We can't see it from the Earth. It's on the other side of the moon, the far side of the moon. And it is an area of incredible um, geological, uh, lunarological activity, sunological activity. Uh, it's... Um, it's got structures, towers in abundance, uh, I'll say that. And this is one of the strangest things I've ever seen. And the photo you're looking at is from a Clementine, a Clementine photo, one of the highest resolution photos ever released. The interesting thing about this photo is that it's one of the, it's the only picture in the American uh, Library of Space Photos other than the Russian photos, the early um, Luna and Zahn photos, that have a slant-range view of this crater, giving you basically the side profile of, of that unusual structure. And <clears throat> when I look at it, um, it looks to me like a satellite dish. Uh, it's kind of a crater. That's on a crater. kind of where, yeah, that's what I was going with also, by the way, Robert. Funny you mentioned that. What? Satellite dish? Yeah, that's what it would look like to me too. Yeah, there's something else. It's a very rare, very rare uh, to be able to find photos, and I've scrounged around for years uh, tracking this crater, and I found some really good ones. And the best one I have is a is a lunar orbiter one, and that section that you see, like it looks like a flat top uh-huh. uh, of that structure, almost telescope uh, like, you know. Yep. Um, that structure has three sections to it in the the high-resolution uh, lunar orbiter photo that I found. It's really glared out, but when you bring down the glare, you see that crater, let's call it, because they want to call it a crater. And it has a perfect uh, three um, trifoil shape, like a satellite dish. With You know how satellite dishes... Mm-hmm. have uh, these probes that come out, and sometimes they join up as uh, three probes or four probes, and the four will look like a tri- uh, pyramid, and the three will look like a tetrahedron. Well, if you have that in a concave form, right, sunken in, it's similar to that. And it's Okay, i got to ask a question. Um, if you're telling me it looks like a satellite dish and it's that smooth and all, what is the diameter based on the actual crater. How big is that thing? 47 miles in diameter. Wow. Now, here's the deal. I was looking for this because I found this. I'll send you the picture later on. I was uh, 
you know, I'm a real fan of the early Russian photos uh, and the work that they did. And they're hard copy photographs, and they're kind of raw. But I have an eye for, they can see details that other people can't see. And I, I picked up this, let's call it a blip. I picked up a blip in this area. It looked like a thumb sticking out of the ground in the Russian photo. So I looked around for more, because they were the ones that really, um, they really discovered the far side of the moon, <laughs> practically speaking. The first photos of the far side of the moon uh, were sent uh, here by Soviet probes. And it was a shocker, because, let me put it to you this way. If uh, you showed it to people, people who had never seen um, either the moon or any of our planets, they say that if you show the, f the front side of the moon and the far side of the moon uh, simultaneously to somebody who's totally ignorant, they would think it was two different planets. It's that different. Wow, and, no kidding. Oh, yeah. The the near side has uh, the mares, you know, the mare imbrium, right. the uh, sea of tranquility, the mm -hmm. sea of serenity, etc. They're really wide expanses of really flat... Um, Lunar. Dust. A lot of dust. Lunar. Yeah, but there's a lot of tire tracks and large machinery there, too. Oh, yes, of course. That, that, is, that is true. But the far side of the moon is really craggy. It seems that the, the moon has acted as a shield to protect the Earth for, you know, millions of years. Yeah. That the greatest impacts uh, to be found on the moon are on the far side of the moon, and if the moon had not been there to take those impacts, hmm. the Earth would have received them. Yep. So it is a kind of a cosmic shield. Now, um, here's the question. Does the, based on how the moon orbits the Earth, has anybody ever looked into the moon changing position and coming in and out of its current standard? It does drift, yes. To and block... Anything away. incoming? It used to be much closer. It, used to, it is drifting away, and some someday they say in the far, far, mm -hmm. far, you know. Yeah, uh, but that's not that's not where I'm going with it. I'm going with it. I'm I'm trying to ask the question that if it's always taking impacts for the Earth and avoiding an extinction level event, has the moon itself ever moved out of its current orbital positioning? to block it and then are oh, there any, are so. there any historical records no we don't know that that's possible uh it is uh has a unique orbit it, uh, you know people think that the moon doesn't spin because the it always faces the earth but it does right spin. it's the illusion it, it yeah. spins in relationship to the sun right. but it uh gears it um it's a remark it's in a tidal lock gravitational tidal lock with the earth and its composition is remarkable. I, I don't know if people know that the theory is that a planetoid called Thea impacted the Earth, and it gouged out a huge uh, section, what we call the Pacific Ocean, actually. The Pacific Ocean Basin was gouged out by Thea. Now, how, how long, I mean, how old is that, th that theory or that... Um that story, because I mean, th that sounds very similar to what Zachariah Sitchin had put in some of his books. Well, I'm talking science and science, scientific, uh, you know, evaluations and uh, supercomputer modeling. I'm talking about 
you know, within the last four years, five years. And but don't other people I, say also that it might be hollow as well? Oh, it has hollows. It, it does. It does have uh, hollow spots that make it ring like a bell when it's hmm. the, the moon actually resonates. And it was discovered by the Apollo missions uh, after when the Apollo mission uh, would re, uh, land and then return to the uh, command capsule. They would fire the lander down to impact the moon where they had left uh, seismic uh, instruments and sensors. And they were, NASA was amazed after the first few impacts. Once it rang for six to eight hours, and the other time it rang for three hours. Yeah, but then, then I got to ask you the question then. Um, I've never heard a rock ring like a bell. What is the composition difference if it's gouged out of the earth, supposedly, that makes it ring like a bell? Well, you know, it's composed of earth and thea. And so the characteristics of the moon... Well, here's the deal. A lot of the moon is, is like glass, the regolith. If, if you've ever seen uh, or ever get a chance to see uh, moon rocks under a microscope or photographs of them, you'll find that it's very glass-like uh, stuff. And also, there's a tremendous amount of iron and uh, titanium and uh, metals, all kinds of um, minerals. But it's a glass-like structure. And, you know, crystal rings, right? right. So that's my explanation of, of uh, the ringing sound that it's, it is probably some substrate of a crystalline structure. I was a little worried when they uh, when they crashed into the Cabeus uh, crater in the South Pole uh, region. Remember, they had that story about um, they wanted to find out if there was water there. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. crashed one and then flew the other part through it to find out if there was water there. Well, that really wasn't necessary. <laughs> Because two years before that, um, a team of uh, from University of Tennessee had been analyzing the rocks that were brought back by Apollo 14, and they these were held for 40 years before they were released to this university. And their geology department said, "Water is ubiquitous on the moon. Ubiquitous is a wonderful word, which means it's everywhere." because there was so much limestone in the samples that were brought back by Edgar Mitchell and Apollo 14 that the only conclusion they could come to is that the, the moon was wet, had a lot of water, and a huge amount of water at one time to produce so much limestone. So that was in 2010. But where would that water have gone, though, Robert? I think it's gone under underground, under the inside the moon. Really, kind of like, like Europa, in other words, where Europa is uh, covered in ice, but it's all water under there somewhere. Yeah, well, it, it, Europa is a sealed snowball. You know, right. like it's, uh, everything is ice. I believe that that the the moon. Well, here's the other part about the moon is wet. As I said, that wasn't necessary for NASA to do that because the Indian government had sent up the Chandra satellite. And the Chandra satellite was mapping the whole surface of the moon, and they said the moon is wet all over. They found wet patches all over the moon. And I believe that there's a lot of frozen water under the surface. 
just as on Mars, you know, Mars, mm. they found um, a sea uh, on Mars that was about uh, 125 miles wide, and it can't be, it couldn't be seen because it's uh, frozen and covered with all of the uh, Martian dust. But the uh, spacecraft, you know, we have those Mars uh, global. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Satellite. Which have covered, they've covered all of Mars. And let me tell you something, Robert, they've picked up some amazing footage. I've seen stuff that looks like vegetation, like trees on Mars. I mean, have you, you seen those photos? I have. Yeah, the bushes. You know, I, yeah. have you heard from Joseph Skipper? Yeah, no, that's MarsAnomalies.com. Yeah, yes. uh, you know, uh, he, but he just dropped off the face of the Earth about three years ago. I haven't been able to contact him or hear anything about it. I, I, is his site still on? Because it disappeared. Yeah, once in, a while, once in a while I check it out to see if there's anything new and exciting. Uh, I think he posted something recently, uh, at, you know, September or November. Well, let me get back to the wet and the water and uh, NASA. NASA wants to steal the show about everything. They want to be the first to discover anything, you know? And if they didn't discover it, it hasn't been discovered. Well, I want to give credit to the Indian government and the Chandra satellite and their technicians and scientists, because they did a fantastic job of mapping the moon and also scanning the surface for signs of water. And they found it, and they said that the moon is wet all over. And the University of Tennessee researchers in 2010, I published it, actually, they sent me the um, their findings, and it was such an amazing paper. And they used that word, ubiquitous. And I said, my God, does anybody know what that really means? <laughs> I don't. It means that water is everywhere on the moon. I do. I'm kidding. Yeah, you know, but I here, Robert, here's the thing. Uh, if there's water everywhere on the moon, I mean, this would make us colonizing the moon and getting up there and having uh, you know, a society up there uh, pretty easy, wouldn't you say? Well, that was the purpose of the, the NASA crash into Cabeus Crater, because they were hypothesizing that there, were, there might be water in that region, frozen because, and, and fixed there, because the other sides, right. that part never gets light. You know, mm, it's yep. the best place on the moon that I would want to make, build a base, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I really would like to have a little sunshine once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the impact um, on uh, Cabeus Crater, that was a huge, a huge uh, impact. It was uh, equal to uh, a small atom bomb. And oh, wow. I about messing around with the equilibrium of the moon. Uh, you know, with that kind of activity. So I expressed my concerns, and everybody, everybody just uh, poo-pooed it, which is a nice segue, because I want to talk about what you guys were talking about. Methane on Mars, huh? Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> NASA, again, is trying to steal the thunder that belongs to somebody else. It belongs to Dr. John McKay, who in 1994 and 1995 came out with his discovery, studying the internal composition of ALH-84001. That was that Martian meteorite that they found in Antarctica. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah, the one that they said life on Mars, you know, bacteria. What you guys were talking about, mm-hmm. because he said that he had found um, microbial life, signs of microbial life, and proof of organic life in that he had found PAHS, P-A-H-S. 
polyaromatic hydrocarbons. <laughs> you get it? In Poly- other words? Hydrocarbons. Bacteria farts. Bacteria farts. That's awesome. <laughs> That's what you're talking about, too. Yeah. So, yeah. here. That was, that, that was in 94 and 95. And remember, Clinton came out and said, hey, you know, we've discovered life on the moon. Right. Said, oh, no, life on Mars, excuse me. And then NASA, no, the, 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 uh, the science was wrong, uh, the methodology had errors, and blah, blah, blah. Then there's another instance about the uh, 76, the Viking lander. The Viking lander had um, a test. Of uh, for life um, on Mars, it scooped up, it scooped up a bunch of Martian dirt, put it in in a, a bin, uh, sprinkled it with some water and what we might call food, and they were w- wanting to see uh, uh, for, wait for a reaction, and they said they found the reaction, that they found that when they put the nutrients in and the water in. A reaction occurred, and some of what was produced was this methane um, exudate. So they hypothesized that that, that was uh, a sign of life. And NASA didn't believe it, and they said that they would uh, replicate it. But when they replicated, what they did is they, they cooked the soil before they did the test. And that would have killed anything inside in the soil. Yeah. That, uh, that might have been alive. And who made the decision to well, cook it? I stole the thunder from, um, Dr. I think his name was Dr. Gilbert Lewin, and uh, John McKay was the one with the meteorite. I think we all know what's going on, you know? And uh, there's a word. I put out, uh, Angel, check your mail. I sent out a, a, a message today about an article that's coming out tomorrow uh, in the Greenville Post by a man named John Pilger, who's come up with a term for what the mass media does with truth. He calls it truth inversion. And I thought, that is brilliant. All of us know what's been going on, but we haven't had a word to express what the media does. Truth inversion. Truth inversion. I think it's a brilliant brilliant term. uh, Self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah. But I think we have to start thinking in, in those terms. You know what? After reading the uh, the, the editor's note to uh, to us that I sent to you, um, I said to myself, "Truth inversion. Everything in your life, folks, everything in your life is real, except what you see on television." <laughs> Stop taking reality to be what you see on television. That's that's what came to me. Holy mackerel, how can I express this? Because of truth inversion in the mass media, on every level, I had to retreat and I said, man, that means that everything in my life is real except what I see on TV. So, let's, let's think about that. Because you know what? We're breaking out of a controlled, imposed mm-hmm. hijacking of our consciousness. Angel, we've done shows on the JFK assassination. Yep. And I thank Dark, Dark Matters Radio. I heard you mention, you know, I've been making the rounds on Dark Matters Radio because I really like your philosophy. I like your hosts. They're respectful. And you listen. You listen to facts, and you let it out to the public. 
And in the JFK assassination, you and I know, the Zapruder film is doctored. Mm -hmm. It is the greatest instrument of mass uh, mass hallucination and mind control that the world has ever seen. And all of us were under its influence until just Mm -hmm. recently. And my work with it started 22 years ago when I discovered not just the cuts and the splices, but the insertion of fragmented frames that were cut in a very specific proportion of Mm -hmm. 1 to 1.618, which is the golden mean. Because if they just cut the film in the middle, you'd see the jump. But they were able to cut feet of the film, get the the mean, the the the, um, the midpoint, let's say, and cut a frame and carve it up into two sections so that it appears in, let's say, it's, I'll tell you specifically, frames uh, 156 and 157 of the Zapruder film, and get this, frames 206 and 212. Get that count. Right. The reason right. they count that way is that they admit that they damaged the film when the car passed behind the sign. So the, no, the number of the frame is Z207, and then it jumps to Z212. They admit to losing five frames, but what they actually cut was about five feet. Uh. So anyway, <laughs> this instrument of mind control mm-hmm. has been operant in the consciousness and the subconsciousness of the American public, and it has confused the public for 51 years. And that is precisely the intention behind the Zapruder film. It's to leave you confused in a state of cognitive dissonance. But over 22 years of time, I broke the, the story. I lectured in Chicago, in Providence, then again in Chicago, then 94, 96 in, in Dallas. And a group of individuals uh, like Professor James Fetzer, and Jim Mars and Jack White, we all got together in 96, and we all pooled our resources. We gave each other lectures. It was about a 10-hour all-day session. When we came out of that, no one could ever believe anything about the Zapruder film to be real again. You think? So it, it's, a, it's amazing how, uh, how that film is so controversial, but people still look at it as if it's uh, authentic. When it's been so yes, doctored. but those people, I say, if you think mm. what you see in the Zapruder film is real, then you're no better off than a bunch of munchkins and all. No kidding. What do you think is a bigger conspiracy, Robert? The you know the Zapruder film and the JFK assassination, or uh, UFOs and aliens? What do you think is a bigger conspiracy in on this country? It's all one thing. You know, I was thinking about this before the show, and I somehow intuited or had an impression that we would get to this moment. <laughs> It's all one thing. The Kennedy assassination, mm. UFO cover-up, um, on and on, you know, hiding the facts about um, another presence on, uh, on the moon. It's all one cover-up. And it has to do with a decision that was made in 1967, a year before um, we left and uh, with Apollo 8 for the moon. A decision was made based on the Brookings Institute uh, Institution report on uh, peaceful applications, uh, implications of peaceful uses of outer space. And they said, don't tell the people. If you discover life on the moon or previous uh, signs of a previous civilization on the moon or signs that humans visited the moon before or alien life, don't tell the world. It'll just be too disruptive to society. 
and they cite religion and science as the principal victims of, of that revelation. Do you still think that dogma holds true, though? I mean, I don't think, personally, that uh, religion even cares anymore. Well, I, that's what I think puts the lie to it. I think the lie was obvious to me when I read their conclusions mm-hmm. about religion be, being destabilized. They chose Buddhists as a religion that would be destabilized. And as I said in San Francisco when I lectured on the Secret Space Program and the conference there, that is ludicrous. The Buddhists have so many gods, so many mm-hmm. de- deities, demons, mm-hmm. dakinis, apsaras, uh, entities of all kinds. That they're the most ready. Mm-hmm. No, if you if you want to get actually biblical, Robert, um, you know there are stories of uh, a man named Isu or Jesus uh, that that actually studied uh, Buddhism and in, in, in studied with. Uh, with monks uh, about the the teachings of the Buddha, and a lot of uh, what we have in Christianity is uh, directly lifted from the teachings of the Buddha. The afterlife, the concept exactly. of a heaven, all that stuff is directly lifted from them. Well, I think I think that Jesus was uh, very well traveled. One of the probably the greatest. Well, look who he turned out to be. <laughs> he had, a, had to have had the greatest education available in those times, and it was. Yeah. Remember. He left, he fled the uh, the slaughter of the children because of the warning of the quote-unquote angel. You know, angels are extraterrestrials, folks. For me, in my book, uh, angels, ghosts, and aliens are all extra. They're not of this earth, so they're all extraterrestrial. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that 100%. I've, I've, I've been on that kick for a long time that uh, demons in the past have just been uh, aliens misidentified because they didn't know any better. They just had no concept for it. If 3,000 years ago a UFO landed somewhere and, and beings came out of it, uh, and any of the locals are just going to look at it as gods, deities, or, or spirits, or demons. I mean, that's what they would know then. I mean, they would have no concept of what an alien is. I mean, even like the Bible itself, when you read a lot of the, the passages, a lot of that stuff could be easily translated to aliens coming down or UFOs. The burning bush, for example. What the heck is that? You know what I mean? That could have yeah. been... Uh, I say Ezekiel's yeah, wheel. I mean, there's so many different uh, things. In yeah, there but I'm they could be hold on, hold on. But how do you make, how do you make the leap from ghosts to ETs? And well, actually, there's a very easy answer to that. Uh, okay, let me let me actually get on this one real quick, Robert. Uh, here's the easy answer from ghosts to ETs. Uh, if somebody sees an apparition, right, or a ghost, what looks to them to be a ghost. Uh, we don't know if that's an alien using some kind of cloaking device and maybe... Yeah, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's too much recorded evidence with EVPs and other things that it's sentient, that ghosts are sentient and aware of their prior selves. Yeah, he, well... I agree with he, you. Uh, here's the thing. I, after watching Interstellar about five times, I have a feeling that what we're going to end up seeing is uh, you know, maybe one day in the very distant future uh, that we really are just tapping into another dimension where it's not so much ghostly activity from here that left and died, but maybe just beings walking around in another dimension and the veil kind of drops split second and we pick up a little bit on it. But then how are they aware of what was around them or right. what was there? The, the, the veil may be dropping here and it may be dropping there too and they're aware of what's going on here as we're aware of what's going on with them here. You know, it could be, uh, you know, it could be happening on their side also. No, but I'm saying if someone died in the house and the person – and you're getting EVPs about what has happened in that house and certain knowledge that the EVP the, that's being – Well, then that just means so, it's haunted, Alan. Okay, so that's why I'm saying <laughs> where are you getting the 
link between ET. Alan, Alan, listen, listen. I want to give you. I want to give you something. that's really an important uh, story. When I was in San Francisco to lecture at the Secret Space Conference, Breakaway uh, mm-hmm. Civilization, um, John Rappaport gave an amazing talk. And he spoke about Marina Popovich, who's a Soviet cosmonaut, yes. mm-hmm. and she is a uh, psychologist and a counselor to astronauts. And when she, when she was taken aside and asked why why would cosmonauts need to speak to a psychologist, she mm-hmm. said because when they go into outer space, they see the ghost of their relatives who died. Whoa. But it only apparently that's only happened with cosmonauts. Um, <laughs> no, it hasn't happened with cosmonauts. It has, it has happened with abductees many, many times. No, no, but I'm not hearing this from people that are yeah, on like, ISS. Yeah, NASA, I'm not hearing for it for people that were on the space shuttle. Well, but here's the thing, though, Alan. Uh, you know, NASA never a straight answer. You know, they could be lying about. They're still under the dictates of the Brookings Institute. Yeah. You know what happens? An interesting thing happened last night. I got a word from a U.S. Air Force, former U.S. Air Force captain who monitors NASA. He was in the Foreign Technology Division, you know, Air Force Intelligence Foreign Technology Division, mm-hmm. which is what uh, UFO wreckage and uh, is called. It's foreign technology. So if any wreckage is sent to FTD at uh, Wright-Patterson. So he, well, he monitors uh, the space station and the live feed. And last night the live feed went off, and he sent me an email. And to me and to Edgar Mitchell and a couple you know, other people in this uh, space circle. And he said uh, the, whole, the screen is black and none of the tasks are being uh, displayed and I got the message, I guess, uh, an hour or two after he'd sent it, so I went to the site, and when I went on the site, the image was back, but none of the current tasking, which is supposed to be labeled there, between this hour and that hour, they're going to do this, so on and so forth. And I hear them start to talk about this problem that they've had, that something, some things went offline, and some guy named Butch, an astronaut named Butch, was saying that uh, some magnet had become displaced, and things were going a bit crazy, and some lights were flashing. And they talked down to Houston, and Houston said, okay, let's talk to the engineers. And then they got back, and, and uh, how fast is that light flashing? Is it uh, one CPS? And then he said, yeah, it's about one cycle per second. He said, okay, thanks, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to you on that. Now, I, re- I wrote that to my, my Air Force captain friend, and said, listen, hey, it's back, but listen to what they're talking about. And he said to me, listen, that's all BS, that's scripted, it's coded. What's happening is that there's got to be some big UFO event is happening around the space station, and they always shut down the camera and start uh, looking for the glitch. And the glitch is that there's UFOs here. That's his his belief, his uh, take. As a matter of fact, let me just say his name because he wrote a really great book. Uh, his name is Captain Robert Collins, and the book is called Exempt from Disclosure. And he has some remarkable things. I don't think there are any more hard copies available. I bought the first one of the first hard copies, and I bought the very last hard copy. But you can get it in the Kindle edition at Amazon.com. Good I'm to know. Look that up. I'm gonna put that in and, my, uh, my to-do list. He's got it there. He's got photos of uh, alien jaw, not an alien jaw. 
An alien jaw? Yeah, well, actually it is, an alien jawbone. And then he had, uh, they took and mold... Have do we determined this uh, to be alien? I mean, why haven't I, heard, I have, why haven't I heard about this? Well, because he's in the Air Force vault, and Captain Collins is a leaker. Okay, and are we going to hear more about this alien jaw in the near, in the near future, or...? Uh, no, you probably won't hear anything more about it uh, than you read in the book that uh, Robert Collins wrote. Ah. And he, he's got a lot in there about the alien biology. And listen, this is all stuff from the Air Force. Uh, the Air Force believes that um, UFOs are, um, they, they move in time jumps. That when people see them streak across the sky, it's not one continuous streak. It, it's like it appears here, it disappears, it appears here, it disappears, it appears there until it's really gone. And that our minds connect it because of the way we see things. You know, when you throw a baseball, mm-hmm. it shrinks as it goes away. Right. That we think that uh, it works the same way because our minds connect it as a continuum, but it's really un- intermittent, on and off. I heard some amazing stories in California from real experts like Mark McCandlish. Mm-hmm. He told the story of being out there near one of these. Um, uh, you know, military industrial air bases, I believe it was Palmdale, California, near Lockheed. And they saw a UFO. And he saw the UFO go. I don't say take off, I say go. Because he says that a field developed around the craft. And he saw it move, but as it moved, space, and this is at night. Space opened up like a wormhole. You guys were talking about a wormhole. He says, "Yes, well, well, we, we we can't use the term wormhole anymore on the show. We we got to call I'm it the, sorry, du- I, the I, double I, eight I, holes." That's what we were I had that before. Yeah. No, it goes back a long time. I'm talking in the technical physical sense, but listen yeah. to what he saw. Listen to what he saw. Sorry, Art. He saw the UFO go into the tunnel. Let's call it tunnel then. Uh huh. In the tunnel. He saw the sky and the clouds and the sun of another system or solar system mm. where this thing was going. And it shot in there, and then it closed up, and it was night again. Whoa. Okay, that, that's creepy. That's creepy. That's pretty amazing. That's I've never trippy, heard yeah. uh, uh, anybody describe that before. And Mark McCandless is a man with a lot of experience. He's got a very notable career in the aerospace industry, and he presented some remarkable uh, information there. So I, I direct you then to the uh, secretspaceprogram.org website to get more information on it. And uh, I'm finishing up. Oh, actually, I did finish. I finished up a DVD um, presentation that's going to come out in the uh, Secret Space Program DVD set. Yeah, tell us about that. When is that going to be released? Um we're hoping for Christmas. Right now, as I'm sitting here, I'm trying for the third time. So next week. <laughs> I'm trying to transfer it to, uh, well, isn't it, isn't it a nice time to come out with something new like that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, I've been trying to transfer. I transferred it last night through Google Drive. They could they could see it, but they couldn't download it. So then I tried again through another transfer service, and it didn't go through, and now I'm trying for the third time. Problem is, it takes about six to seven hours to download. Wow. How big is this file? Uh, two hundred two point seven five gigabytes. Whoa, two hundred gigabytes! Loaded wow. with with images and videos and uh, 
stuff that uh, the world has never seen before. You know, people in NASA have seen it. I discovered, I got onto some psychic track that led me to um, to a whole series of discoveries. We discussed the Big Ben on the Moon, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. But then I discovered uh, films taken by the astronauts of uh, UFOs buzzing by them. Some of them look like cannonballs flying past the window, I swear. When I, fo- I found these first two, I thought, my God, that would scare the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Robert, was, has, has anybody right. from... Has yeah. anybody from NASA ever contacted you and they asked nope. you to like, he, stop doing no. this? There are a couple of trolls, you know, that harass me and harass... And I'll warn you, there are some that call radio hosts and, and uh, make life uh, hell for them. Oh, uh, we welcome them. We don't get that many callers and we have like 800 people listening uh, at any given minute. And, <laughs> and oh, I'm like, really where the hell are you guys? Why aren't you calling in? But hey, I'll, take, I'll take the trolls at this point. But listen, listen. There are people like James Oberg. Remember him? Yes, Big fat guy, you always just yeah. try to debunk everybody, including mm-hmm. the astronauts. That's what really ticked me off about him. Mm-hmm. And I really took, uh, took issue. And we had really amazing exchanges in, in the 90s, late 90s. He and I went at it. One of the things that really PO'd me is this, and it's an appropriate uh, term, because uh, astronaut McDivitt and James Lovell, James McDivitt and James Lovell, were up in one of the Gemini spacecraft, and they saw several UFOs. And as McDivitt, he reported it. He saw he had an, an unknown outside the uh, outside the spacecraft. And they said to him, "No, no, that's that's the booster rocket. That's the booster rocket uh, of from your launch vehicle." And he said, "No, I can see that. This is something else." Okay. And he said they took pictures, but they hid the pictures for years and years and years. So after he said that, out comes James Oberg, and what he has to do is make up some far-out excuse why we shouldn't believe Jim McDivitt and believe that this astronaut, one of the top Air Force officers of all time that made the astronaut call, that he was wrong. And you know what he said? What did he say? He said his vision was irritated by droplets of urine that had escaped into the space capsule atmosphere, and as a result of his eyes being irritated by urine, he mistook the booster rocket for a UFO. Wow. Right. I disrespectful and disgusting thing that I ever had heard him say. But then I had a lot of fun. Definitely disgusting. But I then I had a lot of fun watching him on, um, on one of those UFO shows on the History Channels in the mm-hmm. 90s. It was about the Kecksburg incident. Yeah, I remember that. The, uh, the acorn that came down in Kecksburg, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Yep. They, they have him on there, and he says, oh, that was a Soviet Cosmos satellite that came out of orbit that very same night. And then they cut, and they go to an Air Force officer, and they ask him about the Cosmos satellite. He says, oh, no, no, the Cosmos satellite came down at a, hour, a, bit, a lot of hours difference, and it also came down in the Pacific. And then they, they, they really did it on Oberg on that episode. He's a pompous old guy. Yeah, he you is. Know, he's, he's one of these, uh, he's got a real, uh, let me put it, German attitude yeah. uh, about how he has to protect NASA. He had, but he's old, and he's, uh, I think he's over the hill, personally, and I don't, we don't hear about him anymore. Especially after that embarrassing incident when uh, he said that the Kecksburg 
sing with the uh, Cosmos uh, satellite, and the Air Force said no. It came hours. Uh, it was that came out early, earlier and uh, in the Pacific. But there's a whole school, you know, Shermer, Michael Shermer, that was another mm-hmm. one, and Bill Nye. You know, Bill Nye was really funny when he appeared on uh, when he appeared on uh, Larry King Live to try to debunk Stephenville. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. running all these pictures of uh, UFOs and uh, Air Force things, and they ran a picture of a uh, spacecraft. And he pointed it out. He said, "Hey, look at that. That is so phony. That every anybody can tell that that's phony." And you know what? It was actually a real, authentic NASA photograph of something that he didn't know existed. <laughs> uh, Funny it, how things turn out, huh? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> emails that he got after that, he said, "Look, dude, you pointed out the only true picture in the whole series <laughs> as being phony. <laughs> the one that we all know is real. You said was phony." So anyway, oh, that's funny. I take a lighthearted attitude toward these fellows, and uh, I I get into it. I have a name for them, frenemies. Frenemies. I have a lot of those. Frenemies. Unfortunately, uh, some, you know, frenemies. another friend, another frenemy we have, Robert, is time, and we're all out of it. It's uh, we we're very very short on time here. But I wanted to give you a, a moment to uh, again, you know, plug any website, anything you have coming up in the very 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 near future. Uh, for the listeners to uh, dig their their teeth into, uh, tell everybody uh, what uh, what your website is and how to get a hold of you and follow okay. your work again. Uh, my main website is ufodigest.com and you can reach me there. But my email is robert.morningstar at gmail dot com. And right now, I'm very um, I'm working very uh, closely with um, the Secret Space Program conferences, and that's secretspaceprogram.org. Awesome. And the DVD like, is uh, going to be pressed when again? The Chinese moon uh, studies. You know, I, I got into the Indians and the Hindu uh, Chandra satellite, but we didn't get to talk about that amazing photograph uh, and the Chinese characters that keep appearing in UFO incidents in Asia, and they're consistent. Oh, well, we have to have you back on in, uh, very, very okay. soon. Uh, unfortunately, we're all out of time here. And next week, we're going to have a best of show since, uh, you know, it is the 24th of December, the night before Christmas. And all through the house, we're going to play a little Skywatcher best of. And uh, we have a lot of treats for you next week. Everybody, please stick around for more great programming right here on Dark Matter Radio Network and, of course, on PSN Radio. As always, Robert, you are a blast to have on the show, my friend. And we will look uh, we look forward to having you on periodically here. And hopefully it doesn't take long to have you back on because we have a lot more to cover with you. Uh, always you. fun to have you on. You're the best. Yeah, thanks for talking with us. Yeah, Thank you, Alan. It's, it's the company I keep, you know. Yes, indeed. <laughs> You're a good man. You're a good man. Everybody, we're short on time. We're almost out of time. Keith Rowland, thank you so much for putting up with our nonsense every single week. Guys, keep your eyes to the skies and keep looking up. Maybe one day you'll see an actual UFO or a satellite lighting up. One of the two. Either way, <laughs> it'll be fun. Talk to you next week, everybody. Nighty night. Stay classy. <laughs>